All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 69 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Renee and I'm here with my sister Lauren today. Oh, hi. <laughs> it is just the babes today and we have a super fun topic for you all. We are talking about heart rate variability. So HRV. We get so many questions from everyone about this because I, I think especially with the Aura Ring being really popular and you're always talking about Aura Ring and Whoop, everyone is asking about HRV. So we're like, okay, we just have to do an entire episode about it. So we're hoping that we can share some more insight and information into this really hot topic and really why everyone should be using it. Yeah. Number one question is always, what is that? <laughs> yeah. What is it? And why is mine low? I hear that all the time. So oh yeah, absolutely. As well. Or just for the one person in our life that 
always has a very high one. <laughs> yes. In general, most people are coming to us with questions about it being low. Yes, exactly. So to kick it off, to keep it very simple, heart rate variability is the variation between each heartbeat. There, there you go. That's one, sen- one sentence explaining exactly what it is. But so really, if we look a little bit deeper, you know, the variation between each heartbeat, it's really the best subjective metric for determining the body's readiness to perform. So we're looking at the nervous system. How is it functioning? Is it balanced? Uh, we're looking at the two competing stimulants, which are really trending in opposition to one another. That's the parasympathetic, which we talk about a lot, rest, digest. Sympathetic is the opposite. That's your fight or flight, increase in heart rate. You know, that's where we're kind of fleeing, fighting, what we all kind of know as stress, right? Yeah. Uh, so I have <laughs> I have an inclination today to just be really gentle with this topic because I know for me, it was really difficult for the longest time to really grasp what HRV was. Even when I heard that definition and I heard like five more definitions, I still was like, uh, not sure. I totally get it. So we'll just keep giving you guys analogies and keep trying to explain this as much as possible. But basically, you have two competing stimulants in the body, in your nervous system. So the parasympathetic, and you've heard us talk about this before, parasympathetic, and then your sympathetic. So parasympathetic is your rest and digest. It's what responds to internal organs. It responds to things like digestion, um, and it's actually going to decrease your heart rate because it's a more calm, recovered place. And then your sympathetic, which is your fight or flight, increases your heart rate. That correlates with an increase in cortisol, right? That's like our survival mechanism when we come up, come up against stress. It is a very important part of the nervous system and our uh, our physiology, but we don't want it to always be up there, right? So we want to balance between parasympathetic, sympathetic. And when we look at HRV, we have these two competing stimulants and they're actually going to trend in opposition to one another. And what we see is if your nervous system is balanced, your heart is constantly being told to beat slower by your parasympathetic. So we do want like a slight dominance and you can correct me on this, Renee, but we want the parasympathetic to almost have like a little bit more control, but we do want to take stimulants from both parties. Right. We really need both inputs. So I think because so many people are stressed out today, there's a big discussion around increasing parasympathetic, right? Increasing that rest and digest, get rid of that sympathetic. But remember, we need sympathetic, right? Sympathetic is what is driving us to, you know, if you're an athlete to get on the field and play well or to get through that presentation or to wake you up in the morning, right? But it's about using that at the right time and the right place, right? So it's not about being able to recover from it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A stimulus and then a recovery. And I think just to go a little further with this definition of HRV, if we're getting both of these inputs, which are both giving signals to the heart, that's going to actually increase your variability because we have lots of sympathetic input. We have lots of parasympathetic input. So all those stimulants are giving us a, a, like quite a drastic change. It's like up and down, up and down. That's the variability in your heart rate, right? And we want to be able to respond to both and we want bo- we want both to be present. And then measuring HRV is sort of like an overall snapshot of that picture. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, so the greater the variation, we're really seeing 
it equals better health, right? There's a lot of research. If you want to dive really deep into this, I mean, you can go on PubMed and look at tons of science behind this. This is like not, not something new that Aura Rang developed or anything. Like it's has plenty of research. But actually really interesting is some researchers found that when the variation between the heartbeat dropped, where the heartbeats became almost like monotone, if that's the right word, they could predict when someone was going to have a heart attack. Oh, wow. Crazy. So we want that variation. And this is actually really fascinating to me because when I was in middle school, I thought I was having heart trouble. It was really just panic attacks. You know, good to know. But the cardiologist thought that I had an arrhythmia. Nowadays, we know arrhythmias are not really bad because an arrhythmia could actually just mean a high HRV. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had the same thing. I, I had an arrhythmia, found that in high school and was always, yeah. it was like in the back of my brain. I was like, okay, this is a thing. I have to stay calm. <laughs> right, right. But maybe yeah. that's why our HRVs are so high. So, oh yeah. So just to right. jump to conclusions, Renee and I both have a high HRV, but we do see some variability within the variability and we'll get to that soon. But that's yeah. interesting about the prediction of heart attacks. I wonder, that's what you said, right? Heart attacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder, so we know with the beginning of daylight saving time, I always want to say the S, but it's... The Everyone correct. does. Everyone does. <laughs> daylight saving time is correct. <laughs> correct? <laughs> yes. It doesn't sound normal. You sound no, it like doesn't a robot. Roll off. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue. But so we know with... Uh, daylight saving time starting in the spring when we lose an hour that Monday following that change in the clock, so we see an increase in heart attacks. We, there's more stress. I wonder if anyone has done any studies connecting HRV and the heart attacks and getting less sleep and recovery over that weekend because we know what's happening is we're really throwing off our circadian rhythm pretty abruptly, like a whole hour change out of nowhere. I think most people don't like spend the week before preparing for that change, right? You're just like, oh shit, it's happening. Gonna lose an hour of sleep, gonna power through. And then that Monday sucks. Right, right. Yeah, that that's really interesting. I would love for someone to actually be looking at HRV. So sure we'll go in that direction because more and more people are talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe we'll just get rid of daylight saving time. That, that oh would be gosh, I will sign that petition. <laughs> I know it's, um, it's on the ballot in a couple states, I think. I don't think it's a federal thing, but anyways, I would love to get rid of that. So (laughs) just back to the HRV, it's actually considered one of the best objective metrics for determining our body's readiness to perform. This is our recovery. This is our readiness. And that's why things like Renee said, Aura and the Whoop Band, they use these numbers and they weigh pretty heavily in our readiness and recovery scores. That means you're really like fit and ready to go. I'll quote unquote that, fit and ready to go. Yeah. Okay. So with variability, the goal really is to have a higher variability. We know that's not really achievable by everyone. There's a lot of different factors and considerations that go into that. We're going to look at that soon. But in general, we we want a higher variability, right? It's fit and ready to go. And then also within that, we know that we want a variability within the variability, Sorry to throw you for a loop, but that's very confusing now. But we don't always want to have a very high HRV. And I didn't always know that. My, like we said, Renee and I both have high HRVs. And so when it drops, I used to be like, oh no, like I lost my good score. It was so good. What happened? But we know over time, like we want that variability to drop. And if it's always high, that means that your nervous system maybe is not being as responsive as it could. So you want 
your own variability to also change and have variability. Did I explain that okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, and I think just to to stay on that track, so you need to figure out what your baseline HRV is. And you can't compare that baseline to anyone else in the world, right? You just yeah. have to compare that baseline to your highs and lows. So a, a truly healthy HRV is your ability to modulate it. So how well can you increase it? How well can you maybe lower it, but recover from that? right? So it's not just about that number. It's the ability to modulate it. And we'll get into how we can do that. And your own trends. You want to be setting your own trends, not following someone else's trends. What a life lesson. (laughs) Yeah. We never talk about bio-individuality on this show. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And I think in just to throw out some numbers, actually, if you are looking at your baseline, you know, an increase and decrease about 20% is really considered a healthy number. If you start to hit 40%, it's okay, but you really want to be looking at, well, what in the world did I do, right? If your HRV drops by 40%, you definitely don't want to be going to the gym that day. You want to take it easy and you want to look back at the day before and be like, okay, what did I do that caused that big of a drop? So 20% and 40%, those are really good numbers to analyze your HRV modulation. Yeah, that's great. So some considerations. We know everyone's HRV is a little bit different and there's many reasons for that. So we know the HRV decreases pretty abruptly as we get older. Here's some stats for you. So the middle 50% of 20 to 25 year olds, they usually have an an average HRV in the 55 to 105 range. It actually seems a little low to me, but that's what Yeah, I wonder where at. they got their average from, but not sure. <laughs> and then uh, when we look at 60 to 65-year-olds, they tend to be between 25 and 45. So that's a significant drop once you get to yeah, your that's Also, we see that younger people tend to have higher HRVs than older people. And males often have slightly higher HRVs than females. I am assuming that is connected to the stress response. Females have more variability in their cortisol and their hormones. We do handle or we deal with stress more often and maybe don't know how to deal with it as well. I think a lot of factors even within that. Yeah. Yeah. And then also looking at athletes. So elite athletes usually have greater heart rate variability than the rest of us, average people. (laughs) I'm going to put myself in the average category. (laughs) And then endurance athletes regularly have higher HRVs than strength based athletes. That's pretty interesting. Though I wonder if there's a lot of genetic components in there too. And I I would beg to differ that there is more information in that category. And maybe that's not completely accurate. But right. um, if we're looking at something like WHOOP, they're constantly testing on athletes. And this is a measurement that came from WHOOP. And they're, that's basically who they study as athletes. So obviously had enough research there to to make that statement. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of athletes are also looking at HRV now, right? They're testing HRV, they're doing HRV biofeedback, they're learning how to modulate that. Some teams are even using the aura ring. And I've heard of professional teams actually, they'll test your, your HRV to determine if you should be training that day and how hard to be training. And I think the teams that are doing that are going to start to see amazing results. Yeah, that's amazing. Because you think about all those days where someone just wakes up and even if they did the right things, maybe it's just not their day. You think of, I don't know, the coaches being like, 
stop whining. Don't be lazy. Get up and oh God, I'm not a coach. That's not even the right language at all. (laughs) You know, there's like this do or die mentality with athletic performance because it's about winning and competition. So it's not about the personal (laughs) health or uh, recovery of one particular athlete, right? You're showing up to be a part of the team generally. So it's like, let's go. Right. Right. Not taking anything into consideration. Yeah. So just one other consideration, and this has to do with athletes, athletic training specifically, there's such a thing as parasympathetic saturation. So we know that when heart rate goes down, we generally see HRV go up. They trend inversely to each other, but we see an uncoupling of these two metrics sometimes when an athlete is like extremely recovered. So if their heart rate goes down because they just did a ton of work, probably endurance work, you would naturally see an increased HRV, but there's some studies showing that these athletes actually had a decrease in HRV, which just meant that they were like even more recovered and and primed. So I think just another consideration, if you see a significant drop, always come back to your overall trend because a, what am I trying to say? A short-term drop doesn't necessarily tell you the big picture, right? It could just be a response to your workout and recovery. Right. It's all about the trends. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So hopefully we didn't lose everyone on that tricky part. Yeah. You still there? You still there? (laughs) Okay. So next we really want to talk about why to test HRV. So all this information is great, but why should we be doing it? Well, it is truly the best way to test what's going on in your nervous system. And we know the nervous system is extremely important in so many factors of health. And if you can't track it, you can't hack it, right? We always say that. So Love if that. we want to, yeah. So if we want to test it, HRV is the way to do it. And again, when we're looking at the nervous system, right, we have parasympathetic and sympathetic. And like I said before, it's not about, you know, finding this true balance between them, but it's how well you can modulate it. And I love Dr. Jay Wiles explained this analogy that you know, the sympathetic is like your gas pedal. The parasympathetic is the brake, right? So how well can you kind of modulate between pushing the gas, pushing the brake? It's that back and forth throughout the day, right? We don't want just, we don't want to be like gas pedal all the way down the whole day running around, right? We have to find that balance between gas and the brake. Yeah. I love that analogy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, And this is not just for athletes. That's for all of us, because this is going to help inform how we should train, when we should train. It's going to help us to find better energy, even more efficiency and better bang from our workouts, better sleep, better recovery. Like it's going to enhance our overall lifestyle. It's really, it has systemic effects. If we can listen to it, which is the tricky part is actually responding to our data and doing something (laughs) positive with it. (laughs) But you know, it's just your body's capability of responding to the environment around you so you can perform at your best. And that's why we are here. That's why we biohack to optimize and find our full potential. Right. And I love that you said the word perform and that it's not just for athletes. Like performing can be, you know, giving a lecture at work or a big family event, right? It can be anything. It's not just in the gym. Yeah. Or like for a mom, for like a busy day of cooking meals and getting the kids ready for homeschool or virtual school, whatever it is. It could just be your your daily tasks, just being able to get them done efficiently. Exactly. Okay. So how do we measure this? Ooh, there are lots of options on the market. So just to start off, I just want to explain there really are two different tools to measure. There's uh, 
and not to confuse everyone, but SDNN and RMSSD. You don't need to memorize these. Just know that you can't necessarily compare your HRV between devices because there are two different metrics. So if you have two devices that use SDNN, yes, you can compare. If you have two devices that use RMSSD, yes, you can compare. Okay. So just keep that in mind if you have multiple devices from the list below. Number one, I kind of wanted to uh, run through this list with the least accurate, the cheapest options, and then we'll go down. The <laughs> Apple the Apple Watch, my friends, is at the top. I am actually shocked that they have HRV now. It is the least accurate of them all. If you have an Apple Watch, I would use it for all the other handy-dandy things that it does, but I would not really put any value into the HRV testing. Okay. Next up, Aura Ring. You know that we love the Aura Ring. We talk about it all the time. This is actually using RMSSD, but it has a very low sampling rate. And the low versus high sampling rate is a big part of what makes something more accurate. So Aura Ring, unfortunately, has a very low sampling rate. I have heard rumors that they are working to fix this. So they're really just looking at your HRV while you're sleeping. There's no real-time data. They have like the moment thing during the day, but it's not very accurate for testing HRV in real time. But I still think Aura Ring is helpful in the morning. You get your readiness score, which is looking at more than just HRV. And it's giving you an overall number out of 100 to say like, how ready are you to face the day? So if you're just getting started, I think Aura Ring is great. And again, it's what, 300 bucks? Like it's a great investment. Mm -hmm. Next, I'm going to... Yeah. So I think you're going to say whoop band up next. Yeah. And that's all you, Lauren. Well, so you gave me some information when I was saying that the whoop band HRV metrics were better than Aura. I'm not really convinced of that, though I would like to think it's better because my HRV is just a tad higher on the whoop. So <laughs> I like to air up. But um, they also use RMSSD, which is basically just a snapshot. And they do one measurement during your deepest sleep. So during your last slow wave sleep stage. So that's also a snapshot. Do we know how accurate that is? I'm not so sure. But my trends on Whoop seem to be a little more accurate and reflective of how I'm feeling compared to Aura Ring. And I like that you can really see the difference between HRV measurement and then like a recovery score on Whoop because their recovery score takes into account mostly HRV and then like the sleep respiratory metrics, but it's mostly HRV where on the aura ring, I'm pretty sure it's like an equal balance of all those metrics. Yeah. I believe so, so again, looking at your trends and I think <laughs> the biggest lesson here is always like check in with yourself and see how you're feeling. That is going to be the most accurate, but I do think maybe whoop is maybe just a step ahead and that's just yeah. from personal experience. I can't prove that. Yeah. So, what and again, else? it's like you said, you, you have to just compare day to day. Yeah. Okay. The next kind of level of tools to measure, this is actually, or these are actually really good tools for if you want to get into HRV biofeedback. And I feel like we haven't really talked about biofeedback a ton nope. on this show. Go for it. Yeah. So biofeedback, it's, how do we keep this simple? It's using some kind of technology that is tuning in and listening to your body and then giving literally feedback to the device of what you need. 
So a couple examples of this, there's um, heart math inner balance, which I is what I use. There's also something called Leaf Therapeutics. And then there's also Elite HRV, which is a free app and amazing. I love Elite HRV. I think that's a really good one. But these all have very high Well, it's only rates. free for, I think, your first few tests. And then you have to pay after that. Right. And then I think... And then there's like different... There's um, different tiers. Different tiers. Yeah. So those are all really good options. But anyway, so those all work with biofeedback because they're looking at your HRV in real time and then telling you what you need to do. So like I use the heart math, it's assessing my HRV in real time. And then it's telling me how to be breathing in the moment. So it's maybe, you know, five breaths in, five breaths out, and then it will change based off of what my body needs. So it's kind of like a virtual video game, right? Like you're in the video game and it's telling you how to respond so you can perform better in that moment. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's a, um, you know, a type of biofeedback is neurofeedback, right? It's basically biofeedback for your brain. And a lot of these neurofeedback centers use video games. Like you didn't even, you don't even realize you're on the computer playing a video game. You're like flying a spacecraft through the air, but really you're actually training your brain. So Mm -hmm. Super cool technology there. Yeah. And then the final thing is there are super fancy machines. If you want to go out and drop, you know, five, ten thousand dollars, you can do that and get very, very in-depth HRV information. I don't really think most people really Yeah. I don't even know if I need that. I guess out of curiosity, it might be cool, but it's way more useful to have the trends over time. So even if the whoop or the aura is not or the heart math is not exactly accurate, specific, we're still looking at trends no matter what. So you just want to see that variability between days, between weeks, between months. So $5,000? Right, right. Yeah, I think that's more if you're in a clinical setting, you're seeing patients with it, you're doing clinical research, that's a whole other game. Sure. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, my aura ring is going to give me a score of 50 when I stayed out late with drinks versus a good night's sleep ready to go at 95. Like it's very obvious. Oh yeah. It is ready and willing to give you a shitty score if you don't behave. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. So that's a wrap up of the tools. I hope that's helpful. If anyone has any more questions or you're really new to this and not sure what to start with, reach out to us and we'll kind of talk through the options. All right. So what factors play a role in your heart rate variability, right? So training number one, so we can look at the volume, the intensity, the rest between workout days, all of these factors play a role in your heart rate variability. We can also assess lifestyle. We just briefly mentioned, you know, alcohol definitely makes a big difference. Sleep. So for quality sleep, not enough sleep circadian rhythm being off. So if you're not waking up at the same time and going to bed at the same time every day, not getting enough sunlight, all of that plays a role. And then nutrition, especially we see people with poor glucose control tend to have lower heart rate variability. So some devices, we can actually measure the heart rate variability through the night. And we tend to see that your HRV can drop during REM sleep and it can increase during deep sleep. And I don't know how much of this is the respiratory rate and the heart rate, because we do see a change there as well during deep Mm -hmm. sleep and REM sleep. Um, You know, REM sleep, we have rapid eye movement. It almost looks like we're active, but we're paralyzed. Dead to the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
Yeah. So it's interesting. You can just kind of see that variation. And on the aura ring, you can actually track your HRV through the night and um, correlate with that. Cool. Yeah. And then the last thing is biological factors. So we already talked about age. As you age, your HRV tends to drop. Gender, we know males tend to have a slightly higher HRV. Genetics could be a thing. So if you're interested in looking at your genetics and how this relates to your HRV, maybe it's super low and you just like cannot figure out how to increase it and you're pretty young and should have a higher HRV, maybe you want to look at your genes. So you could always reach out to us to do that kind of testing. And then health history, of course, health history always is a factor in how our body is ready to perform and respond to the world around us. So always look at those three categories, training, lifestyle, biological. And we can put those on the show notes so you can revisit a little checklist for you. Great. So I think just some overall tips, and then we're going to get into our biohacks, right? We haven't done one of these episodes, just the two of us in a while. We used to do all these, our favorite biohacks. We're going to do that today. Yeah. (laughs) So some overall tips and maybe some motivation for you. Again, we never want to compare our HRV to other people. This is not a competition. We are only comparing it to our own baseline, our own trends. So if your friend has a higher HRV than you do today, this is not an indication that they are more fit than you are by any means, right? This is... You should, honestly should just keep it to yourself. <laughs> it's a good talking <laughs> point, but it does not, it's not really reflective yeah. of you versus them. And again, the number isn't as important as the ability to modulate it or have variability within that variability. And remember, it's just data. The most important piece is what you do with it. So we could see that number and get really stressed about it and maybe not even listen to it. I know people that get terrible recovery scores and they're like, screw it. I had my workout plan for the day. I'm going. I'm going to do it anyways. That's not listening. And you're not going to have a positive outcome if you continually do not listen to your data. Sure, a one-off you'll probably recover. But I think over time, if you're not listening to this data, the quantification, there really is no point in looking at it. Exactly. Anything to add to that? No. Yeah. I mean, we are just constantly saying, you know, listen to your body, but listen to your data. Yeah. Thank you. We have a text thread in our family called the Aura Ring All-Stars. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, but we have a text thread where we just share our data constantly. And sometimes it does feel like a healthy competition. Like, who got the best recovery? Who got the best sleep? And yeah, it's kind of cool to compare because it's a good talking point and it's a healthy discussion. But you know what? It only matters what's happening in you day to day. So yeah, yeah. If that's motivating to you to share with other people, I think that is really awesome. And I think that was actually the motivation behind starting that text thread. Yeah. And and we don't really ever compare very often our HRV number, right? It's usually more readiness or like, well, that would be unfair sleep, because sleep. mom and dad have much lower HRVs than us. And we know that age right. is a huge factor. So at some point it's like, okay, we don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I'm like, I remember one night I had like three hours of deep sleep and two hours of REM and I was just like shocked. I was like, I have to share this with the group. It wasn't a bragging thing. It was just like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. The outliers are cool. Yeah. Or measuring that 20% difference, maybe if it's without uh, outside of that range, that's a cool thing. Yeah. I love to look at. And discuss. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Biohacks. Kick us off, Renee. Okay. So I kind of want to uh, put the top three into one category. So 
circling back to the HRV biofeedback. So usually during that biofeedback, we're actually using breath work to modulate the nervous system. And something that a lot of these devices help with is to find your resonant frequency. And so again, this is looking at your HRV in real time and telling you how to be breathing. So maybe your breath should be five breaths per minute, for example. Maybe that's your resonant frequency. And you think five breaths per minute, like you're never doing that during the day, right? Five five breaths is very little. You're really controlling that. And some really good breath work things, if you want to look into this, uh, Wim Hof is great, Patrick McCowan, and Buteco Breathing. And we'll put those three in the show notes. You can read books, podcasts, videos, all that good stuff if you want to become an expert on any of those breathing techniques. But all of those are going to make your HRV stronger, I would say. Or right here, right now, today, you could just take a deep inhale for as long as you can, hold it at the top, and then very, very slowly exhale. You always want the exhale to be double the inhale. Just a a minute of that. Yeah, Yeah. so simple. No research required, but you can take a deeper (laughs) dive with those experts. Right. Yeah, I think breath work is just the best way you can modulate it. And it's free. Hydration too is a free thing. Well, I guess clean, high quality water isn't exactly free these days. It seems to be getting harder and harder to get clean water, but you can actually increase your HRV just by drinking a glass of high quality water. Yeah, that's amazing. So it should be kind of free biohack. (laughs) Kind of free. It should be free, Mm -hmm. but we won't go down that rabbit hole. And then if we want to use some technology, a couple of the top devices are new calm. People are seeing amazing results with the new calm on heart rate variability. The Apollo wristband or ankle band technically, which is what I have. And I haven't really seen a big difference with the Apollo band and I have asked around and this number has been thrown out there a couple of times. Around 50% of Apollo users see an improvement in HRV and 50% hmm. do not. So, Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I don't know if there's a genetic component there, but the Apollo is cool because it just, you wear it on your wrist or your ankle and it vibrates and it can, depending on the track you choose, like energy track is boosting sympathetic, clear and focused is boosting parasympathetic. So there's different tracks based off of what you want. Healy, we both have been playing with the Healy, which is interesting. Lauren, you learned maybe the hard way that you can actually overstimulate the nervous system. So And for those of you that aren't familiar with the Healy, (laughs) it's a specific type of microcurrent frequency and it should be gentle, but you could definitely overdo it, right? You saw a pretty significant drop for two weeks until we changed the routine. Yeah. So this is going to go in my biohack fails bucket, but it was an amazing learning lesson. So we both got these devices and we're still both trying to figure out exactly how to use it. But we, I had received different instructions on how to use it and I, I overdid it. I think I kind of stressed out my nervous system when I was trying to do the opposite. So you really have to listen <laughs> and just make sure you're not overstimulating. So I went a little crazy on it. It was an experiment of mine and I learned from it. So my HRV dropped significantly. So I have some variability within my HRV, but I noticed there was a a two-week period where it was drastically lower than it normally is. And I've been measuring this consistently for two and a half years. So for that two-week period, for it to stay that low, I was like, okay, what's happening? 
I'm sleeping. I'm, you know, I went through the checklist. Am I sleeping? Am I getting hydration? Am I taking rest between workouts? Everything was like, yes, yes, yes. What on earth could I have done? And I thought about the Healy. I was like, ah, I probably overdid it. So yeah, like anything you can over, you can overdo it, but it can be a really powerful modulator for your HRV if used correctly. Right. So if you're interested in getting one or using one, Renee can connect you with that. But um, it's a cool little device, very portable. It weighs nothing. Put it yeah. In I just clip it on my shirt. It's great. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, I need to bounce back from this. How do I fix this? And I wanted to take a little break from the Healy because, you know, when something does you wrong, you're like, nope. <laughs> Yeah. Taking a break. So I actually use my newbie, which we've talked about on the podcast before. That is the neurological re-education machine that I use for personal training and rehabilitation. And they have a protocol on there called the Master Reset, which nourishes your parasympathetic nervous system. It's a 12-minute protocol. You put pads on the back of your neck and the bottoms of your feet. And I did this one time and the next morning my HRV was right back up. And it's been up ever since. You're so lucky to have that on hand. Oh, yeah. It's my prized possession for sure. (laughs) But, you know, that's because I was doing all the other things hopefully correctly. I think you always have to go back to that checklist and make sure you're hitting the essentials because, yeah, I'm lucky to have this very expensive device and it was helpful. But if I wasn't doing all the other things, the sleep, nutrition, hydration, I don't think that would have helped. Right. Right. Always back to the basics. Yeah. So we're really looking at how the body is handling stress, which if we look at hormesis, which is stress, stress, <laughs> a little bit of which, stress. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm like thinking like the Healy for you maybe was a little too much hormesis, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so many great examples of hormesis. If we look at cold exposure, right? Lauren loves her cold plunges, her cold showers, ice baths, maybe. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. And then I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I love my infrared sauna. So these are all types of stress or hormesis. And doing these can actually make your HRV better. Stronger. Stronger, right. Because you're becoming more resilient. So you're not going to go through your entire life without stress, right? It's impossible. So it's teaching your body how to handle these stresses. And your heart rate variability is really the best measurement of that. So little bits of stress here and there are going to just make that stronger. And that's where the hormesis comes in. Yeah. And then also in that category, I would say intelligent exercise. I'm not going to say exercise across the board because we have to be looking at our recovery scores and knowing when to exercise. And this is something that I love about the WHOOP band. They give you a strain score because you're actually putting strain on your body when you exercise, right? So if you overdo that strain, overdo that hormesis, you're going to actually deplete the body, stress out the body, and you're not going to be primed for high performance. So if you are recovered, something like HIIT, high-intensity exercise can be really helpful. But I would say always watching your strain and trying not to overreach with your exercise. Right. Overtraining is probably one of the biggest ways to plummet your HRV. And then briefly, you know, I mentioned before just blood sugar control. I won't go down that rabbit hole right now. We have like four recent episodes about controlling blood glucose. So definitely go back and check that out. Check those. I mean, that's important for everything, but we also see an improvement in HRV with that. 
And then supplements. There are a couple of supplements that the research is showing are helpful and I have actually found to be helpful. So adaptogenic herbs, things like rhodiola, ashwagandha, ginseng, these all make your body more resilient to stress. Those are great. And then full spectrum CBD oil, I have really seen an improvement in my deep sleep time and my HRV. Different for everyone, but for me, that full spectrum CBD oil is really awesome. And Mm -hmm. then Dr. Jay Wiles, I don't know if we've mentioned his name on here yet, but he's my go-to for HRV. If you ever want to like really do a deep dive, he's he's amazing. He does this full time. But he mentioned that he's seeing really good improvement with Qualia Night, which I know we've talked about that on the show before. And we did an entire episode with the formulator of Qualia Night. Yes, I love Qualia Night. Yes, Lauren's a big fan. So that's interesting because he was saying that you know, he works with people full time on improving their HRV and he was using all these different ingredients. And then there's on, there are four supplements and five supplements. And then Qualia Night came out and he was like, wait a minute, this has everything in one product. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Qualia products do that really well. They just, there's a lot of ingredients in there, but intentional and uh, just to revisit, if you didn't hear that episode, it's a nootropic. It's a nighttime nootropic. So it's bringing your body into that rest recovery mode and priming all of your nighttime hormones. So it's not just knocking you out. It's actually getting your body into a more parasympathetic state so you're ready to go to bed. Right. And actually, funny story. Remember when I accidentally took Qualia Night in the morning? <laughs> and I told we that do story. a whole episode on all the things we took by accident when we by thought accident. it was sitting. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, side note, do not keep your qualia night next to your qualia mind on the kitchen counter. <laughs> oh, that's like me keeping my lavender oil next to my thieves oil and putting lavender like right oh. in the Oh, that's God. awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I have you beat. The best one ever was when I had my vitamin D3 serum next to my oregano oil. Same Ooh. bottles from Premier Research Labs. Not Spice. me. It was Eat Ryan. Oh, no. it was Ryan, he was, he was being so good. He was taking you know, a full dropper full of vitamin D3. And I was upstairs at the time and I hear downstairs him fumbling through the cabinet. And then I hear him <laughs> scream. I knew right away. I left the oregano oil next to the vitamin D. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh, no. um, but anyways, That's... the reason, you know, for my tangent, I was saying, so I took the quality of night in the morning and it didn't knock me out. Like I still podcasted and got through my day because it is a nootropic and it works in a much different way. Interesting. That's really great evidence. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was maybe more calm that day, but I didn't just like pass sure. out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyways. Cool. Funny stories. There. All right. We yeah. got one more thing on this list of biohacks. I would just say that consistency is amazing. So auto-regulation, your body loves consistency, knowing when something's going to happen. So going to bed at the same time, roughly the same time, waking up at pretty much the same time every day, having your meal times being pretty consistent. Your body responds really well to consistency and that can have a positive effect on your HRV. I'm going to tie that up in a bow. (laughs) Yeah. Our bodies are kind of boring. We just want to be on the same routine. Well, it's interesting because that's not the whole picture, right? Because we just talked about hormesis. It does like little bouts of stress. Like we do have to simulate it and sort of like shake it up sometimes. Mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. seems like when it comes to circadian rhythm, we want to be in that rhythm. We want to be in that flow. And that, that's the consistency. Right. Go All right. On. We're going to do one more thing. We're going to talk about some personal experiences. And again, it's personal. So 
take this information in, but we encourage all of you to do your own experimentation and see what you find. Renee. Yeah, I think I've probably shared a little bit of this throughout the episode already, but we've both been using the Aura Ring for two and a half years. And I still check it every morning and it's super helpful for me. I love looking at what what drops my HRV, what increases it. I naturally have a higher HRV, which is most likely genetics. Apparently, it means that I have a strong heart. You too, Lauren. So I'll take that to heart. (laughs) So the things that really drop my HRV, minimal sleep, poor quality sleep, which is usually caused by alcohol. So alcohol is a big one. And then overtraining. Like I can't do Orange Theory... If I do it three three days in a row, it's too much. I can do one or two days and I, I bounce back pretty quickly. So overtraining for sure. And then I actually just started using the HeartMath Interbalance. That's the, one of the devices I talked about earlier where it's using HRV biofeedback. I like that you can see some improvements with just five minutes a day. I just sit down, I clip it on my uh, earlobe. It starts reading my heartbeat and just five minutes of deep breathing. Very easy hack. Like I said, I've only been using it a couple of weeks, so I haven't really seen a big difference yet, but I'm going to stick with it. And then I do have my Apollo band, which I have not seen a change, but that's just me. Other people have seen amazing improvements. So hmm. I think that's just kind of like a highlight of some of my pros and cons of HRV stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Your learnings. Yeah. What about you, Laura? So pretty similar. I mean, we both know that going to bed too late, drinking alcohol. <laughs> it's like I can predict what my score is going to be the next day. I already know. Even when I'm like, yeah. nope, nope. Unbiased. <laughs> just start fresh. It's like, it's clockwork, honestly. Alcohol definitely puts a stress on my body. Even if it's, it's pretty early in the evening. I mean, it mm. definitely helps if it's an early dinner time and I'm just having a, a drink with dinner, but anything after that is stressful and my HRV will definitely be lower in the morning. Um, you know, which is not the end of the world. Hopefully if I bounce back the next day or even the day after that, that is a good sign that my body's responding. So I try not to get too upset about it. <laughs> um, I already talked about the Healy having too much stimulation and, you know, you can get it back up. Just make sure you go through that checklist. Oh, interesting thing I've noticed. My HRV is always higher in the summertime and lower in the winter. Me too. So this is a cool thing on Aura Rank. So you can look at the trends day to day, but then you can expand to look at it weekly, monthly, and then you can see like all of your data over the years. And I have this really consistent roller coaster. I mean, I only have two and a half years of data, but every summer, my HRV is at its highest. Like July is my star power moment. (laughs) And then December, January are very, very low for me. Low for me. The little bit of research I've done on that specifically just sort of points me towards like seasonal changes. We seem to be a little more energetically affected by seasonal changes. So obviously, summertime, we're getting more sunshine. We're probably more active. We tend to be a little bit more energized and have better moods, right? The winter season just generally is a little more stressful. So I'm not sure what else goes into that. But my experience is that July is my best, my best month for HRV. Yeah, me too. That's, That's interesting. Yeah. And then just one other weird anecdote. I went to a haunted house the other day and I had to wake up early the next morning. So I was like, okay, we got to go to the haunted house early in the night because I have to be in bed by this time. So I went to the haunted house at eight. I had one 
drink before I went at 7 p.m. Went to the haunted house. It was like between 8 and 9. I was done at 9 and then went home, got in bed by 10, which is, I would say, a pretty good bedtime, right? It's impressive. Yeah. And then I had to wake up at 6.15. So I had a full night of sleep. It was the same amount of sleep or same time as bed as I normally do, my recovery score was so bad <laughs> the next morning. It was so bad because I had this adrenaline stimulated kind of late in the night or at least like well after sunset. Plus the one drink, even though I hydrated like crazy after that. And I slept pretty well. Like I don't recall having disturbances. I don't recall Rupert Aura telling me that I woke up. But that number was not good. <laughs> but did you have fun? Yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> okay. There you go. Except That's I had to, I, you know, I had to work the next day, which involves working out and I had to like perform at my best. So I was a little bummed mm. thinking that maybe this is not my best, but you know, I counteracted that the next day. Just, I got a little extra recovery and I'm bounced back now. So yeah, <laughs> you have to. That's the, that's the listening part. I think that's like the, well, you could probably take one for the team once or twice and then you got to get back on track. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to think if anything so. else affects HRV. I mean, breath work, I notice definitely if I really can focus on my breath or do a breath work meditation, it works really well. But I would just say like nailing all of those factors. Yeah. Actually, I have noticed the brain tap if I look at like my long-term trends, I've had the brain tap since March, 2019. And I've seen an overall increase since then. Cool. And then a hack, because we keep talking about the alcohol thing. If I've had a drink or two, I will drop my thermostat an extra two degrees. And I find it helps offset that a little bit. Because you're getting an increase in body temp? Yeah. Since the alcohol is increasing, well, it's increasing my heart rate, increasing my body temperature. So if I make my room just two degrees colder, I don't see as much of that negative impact from that. Mm, I'll have to try that because that's what I notice the most is the increase in heart rate. And I yeah. haven't been able to get that down, but I'll try that. Yeah. Two degrees makes all the difference. <laughs> cool. Do we right. want to wrap up with some questions that we got? Yeah. So probably covered all of this already. Exactly. Exactly. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to everyone that wrote in questions. We always appreciate that. And I think we did cover everything. If there are more questions, please reach out to us. Yeah. I really think we covered everything here. I think so too. But just to recap, just remember, these are the tools that we can measure. We really like Aura and Whoop, HeartMath. Um, remember your number is your number alone. Don't compare yourself to other people. We have uh, these expected differences depending on your age, your gender, your lifestyle. Check the show notes because we're going to put in those factors at checklist for you. But as Renee said, if you have further questions, send them in and we'll do another podcast. Yeah. I love this topic. So I'd be happy to do that. Anything else? No, I think that's awesome. Okay. Amazing. Okay, right. cool. We're going to wrap it up. So thank you everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.